they, all the students just leave and they come in and they keep coming and we just blended together from the early service through canceled Sunday school into the late service. We were live on the air and, and we were on the radio and people were calling into the radio station. I, all I can hear is people crying. And, and one guy said, listen, I, 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 I've been, God's been working on me and all I can hear is people crying. I don't know where the church service went, but I just accepted Jesus. Can somebody help me? He got saved listening to us cry on the radio. And, and I'm thinking, we're live on the radio. I'm not saying anything. We're just, what is going on here? And it went into the early afternoon. We finally sent everybody home. I walked out thinking, I, I don't know what is going on. I think this is good, but I just canceled Sunday school in a Baptist church. You know, what's going to happen next? And, and a man came and took me by the arm named Carol Lancaster. Big old tears coming down his face. And he said, it happened. He said, Pastor John, I need to tell you a story. He said, 40 years ago, the Lord spoke to me and told me to roll out of bed every day and pray first thing, Lord, bring revival to Coggan Avenue Baptist Church. 40 years, I have rolled out of bed and prayed that. And today, God is answering my prayer and I'm seeing it with my eyes before I die. That's Pastor John Avant, Dr. John Avant, who will be with us next week in Revival. Uh, Dr. Avant was the pastor of Coggan Avenue Baptist Church when the Brownwood Revival broke out in the very small town of Brownwood, Texas. The revival started on January the 22nd, 1995, when two college students from Howard Payne University came forward during the Sunday morning service at the invitation time. They came forward during the invitation to confess their sins at Coggan Avenue Baptist Church. The service stretched into the afternoon as people began to do what those two college students had done. They began to come forward and confess their sins as well. And later, uh, as they went throughout that day, more and more people were gathering at the altar. They were gathering at the church to confess their sins, everything from lust to lack of prayer to pride and arrogance. Several days later, that same scene was, was repeated at Howard Payne University. And then the following week, the same scene was repeated again at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Fort Worth. And eventually, that spiritual wave of God's Spirit at work touched more than a hundred college campuses in Texas and across America. Carol Lancaster had prayed for that move of God for 40 years. My guess is, though I do not know Carol and have not met him, my guess is, regardless of whatever Carol else whatever else he had accomplished in life, his praying for revival for 40 years might very well be the most significant thing that Carol ever did in his life. Leonard Ravenhill has written of the church these words. Listen carefully. He says, We have many organizers, but few agonizers. We have many players and payers, but few prayers. Many fears, but few tears. Much fashion, but little passion. Many interferers, but far too few intercessors. Failing here, we fell everywhere. That's hard to take because it's true, isn't it? And that's why when we come to a passage like today's text on prayer... We better listen because I really believe God has something to say to us that can change our lives. I really believe He's got something to say to us that could change our church. And here's where I want you to go today. I want you to take your Bibles and open to the Old Testament book 
of Daniel. He said, well, where is Daniel? Find Psalm and go to the right. Go past some big books like Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and you'll come to Daniel. Daniel chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9. Let me give you the context and listen carefully. The context of what is happening here. When you get to Daniel chapter 9, Daniel is a prisoner in Babylon. He's a prisoner in Babylon, been carried away from his homeland. And he's lived there in Babylon for almost 70 years during this time of captivity. Scholars believe that at this time, when, when this was written, that Daniel was probably 85 to 86 years old. One day, when this old man was, had his scripture open, one day as he was doing his personal devotions, if you will, he was reading the book of Isaiah. I'm sorry, the book of Jeremiah. As he read the book of Jeremiah, something jumped off the page as Daniel read it. And it motivated him to do something. It motivated him to pray. And probably to pray in a way he had never prayed before. So let me read to you what he read and see what he did. Daniel chapter 9, beginning of verse 1. In the first year of Darius, son of Xerxes, a Mede by descent, who was made ruler over the Babylonian kingdom, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures, according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. Now, stop there for just a moment. He, here's what he's telling us. He said, I, I was reading the scripture one day. I was reading Jeremiah. As I read Jeremiah, I realized that God talked about the captivity that I'm living through. He said, as I read Jeremiah, I realized that God not only talked about the captivity I'm living through, but God also set an end date for that captivity. That is, it's going to last 70 years. And as, as Daniel was calculating that in his mind, he recognized something very important. We're near the end of this 70 years. Do you know what that means? We're going to get to go home sometime. And maybe not that far away. And so, all of this is, is going on in his mind when we come to verse 3. Once he understands the, the scripture of Jeremiah, verse 2, verse 3 says, So I turned to the Lord God. I pleaded with Him. Would you underline in your Bible? Pleaded with Him. So I turned to the Lord God. And I pleaded with him. And then he tells us how he went about the process of pleading with God. Here's what he says. I pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting, and in sackcloth and ashes. See, here's what was happening. As, as Daniel read the prophecy of Jeremiah, he realized that that time of returning back to Jerusalem was drawing near. And he wasn't exactly sure when that would happen. But one thing was for sure, it was getting close. It was almost time for God to take the Jews back to their homeland. And when Daniel, watch this, watch this. When Daniel read that prophecy, it affected him so emotionally that the Bible says he began to plead with God. What he read in Scripture affected him so much that after he read it, he turned to the Lord and pleaded with the Lord. And he prayed and he fasted and he wore sackcloth and ashes. Now listen to me, church. Next week, our revival starts. We're calling it Surrender. 
Because that's at the heart of real revival is when we surrender our lives to God, no strings attached. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do between now and next Sunday. I'm going to ask you between now and next Sunday to make this a week of prayer as we together seek God's face, ask for God's favor, and ask for God's forgiveness, asking Him to send revival. And we're going to use Daniel chapter 9 as our pattern to pray. So let me kind of unpack this ninth chapter for you as you see how Daniel pleaded with the Lord and as he prayed and fasted. First of all, here's what I want you to notice. When you pray, interact with what God is showing you in His Word. Here's, you don't just say your prayers. But when you're praying, interact with what God is showing you in His Word. That's exactly what Daniel did. Daniel was reading Jeremiah. And it's so obvious. Here's this old man reading his copy of Scripture. And the prophecy of Jeremiah gripped his heart. Because it was not just a prophecy. It was something... It was something he was living through. That prophecy got such a hold on his heart that the Bible says he began to pray and he began to fast because he recognized that this ancient text he was reading was describing what he was living through. And that prompted him to pray and to fast. Now let me say a word about fasting because I'm going to ask you to do that this week as well. Fasting is a normal part of our prayer lives. Fasting is not something abnormal, nor is it something reserved for the select few. And some of you may say, well, what do you even mean by fasting? I'm talking about for a select period of time, you go without food so that you can devote yourself entirely to prayer. For example, some will fast an entire 24 hours. And during that 24 hours, rather than having mealtime, during the mealtime, you would go somewhere and you would pray. You'd spend that time in prayer. Maybe you can't fast for 24 hours. Maybe you can only fast for 12 hours, or maybe just for a meal. But it's using this extra time to say, Lord, I want you more than I want this food. God, I want you to answer this prayer more than I want to eat this next meal. That's fasting. Now, I want you to go put your finger there in Daniel chapter 6. I want to show you something about fasting, just to show you that this is normal. It's not extracurricular stuff or, or stuff that's just for super saints. Uh, look at in Matthew chapter 6, something Jesus said about Prayer and fasting. Jesus spoke about fasting in very practical and personal terms. All right, so here's what he says in verse 2. He says, when you give. Now, now not if you give, but when you give. Somebody talk to me. What does that word when insinuate to you? Yeah, it's going to happen. This is something that's going to happen. This is something that's kind of a normal part of your walk with the Lord. So he said, when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. So he talked about, okay, when you give, it's just a normal kind of part of being a Christian. This is going to happen. Then he says in verse 5, and when you pray. Again, prayer is just a normal part of being a Christian. So, so when you pray, not if, but when, do not be like the, the hypocrites that love to pray in the, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. And then notice what he said in verse 16. When you fast. Again, not if you fast. Not if you decide to be super spiritual and fast, but, but when you fast. Just like it's a normal part of everyday walk with the Lord. So when you fast, it's just part of your walk with the Lord. So when you fast, don't look somber as the hypocrites do. 
where they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. My, my point is simply this. Ladies and gentlemen, most Christians see prayer and, and giving as, a, as kind of standard, natural components of our faith, and they see fasting as something that is for exceptional Christians. Fasting is something for other people. But Jesus didn't put it in that category. Jesus said, when you fast. Because fasting is a natural component of prayer. So I want to ask you this week to fast. I want to ask you this week just to put that into practice. Follow the standard that you see in the book of Daniel chapter 9. And when you fast, whatever day you choose to do that, whether it's for a meal or 12 hours or 24 hours, when you fast, I'm just going to ask you to search the Scripture and let that prompt you to follow the Lord. So let's go back to Daniel chapter 9. Let me show you something else. Daniel chapter 9. I love this. Let me read it to you again. Verse 2. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the Scriptures, according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last for 70 years. He said, I understood this how? From the Scriptures. As I was reading the Scriptures, suddenly my mind was open. As I was reading the Scriptures, suddenly it was as if God put my name on that page. As I was reading the Scriptures, it suddenly came alive to me. I suddenly had an insight I had not had before. I suddenly understood what I had not understood before. Daniel is reading the Scriptures, and all of a sudden, listen to this. This is so important. All of a sudden, it was not just God's Word to him. It was God's Word for him. Now, I'm going to tell you something. It's an exciting time when you're reading the Word of God. Listen, every day, every day, watch this. Every day, this is God's Word for you. But there are certain days as you're reading it, it's almost as if it's God's Word to you. Know what I'm talking about? You're just reading, and all of a sudden, man, it's as if God wrote that to you. It's as if God knew what was going on in your home. It's as if God knew what was going on in your life. It's as if God knew exactly what you needed at that moment. And it's not just God's word for you, but it's God's word to you. And so here's what I want you to understand about prayer. First of all, when you're praying, just just participate in a dialogue with God and, and respond to what God shows you in his word. That's what Daniel did. Number two, when you pray, use the opportunity to come clean before God. When you pray this week, use the opportunity to come clean before God. Now, I want you to read Daniel chapter 9, beginning of verse 4. What's the very first word of verse 4? Somebody tell me, at least in the NIV. What's the very first word in verse 4? I. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed. But then notice what he says, because after that is his prayer. We're very fortunate that he writes out his prayer for us. And notice it's in quotation. So this is his prayer that he's praying to the Lord. And here's what he says. O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with all who love him and obey his commands. And then what's the first word in verse 5? We. And if you read Daniel's prayer, you don't see I anymore. If you read Daniel's prayer, you'll see we mentioned 13 times. We. 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 Now, the thing that's interesting about that, I don't, if you know Daniel at all, if you're a Bible student, you know Daniel at all, he's a pretty good guy. Now, now, here's what I mean by that. One time, Daniel had some enemies. 
And they were trying to find some trash on him. They were trying to find something in his past. They were trying to find something on him that they could use to accuse him. They were trying to trap Daniel. And the Bible says this. The Bible says they could, not find, they, they could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. I mean, Daniel was one of two men in the Old Testament about whom there is nothing negative written. This is a pretty stand-up guy. But when you look at, the, at his prayer... He says, Lord, we have sinned. We are wicked. We have not listened. We are covered with shame. Look at it. Just read, follow along at verse 5. Here's what he says. We have sinned and done wrong. We have been wicked and have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. We have not listened to your servants and the prophets who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. Lord, you are righteous this day, but we are covered with shame. The men of Judah and the people of Jerusalem and all Israel, both near and far, in all the countries where you have scattered us because of, your unf- because of our unfaithfulness to you. Everybody, look at your pastor. I want to tell you what Daniel did not do. Daniel did not say, Lord, it's because of these sorry people that we got over here, and I don't, what, I don't know what you, whatever you're going to do to them, but God, they sure deserve it, don't they? Now, God, I'm okay, but, but these other people, I understand why we're in captivity. And God, if you'll just do something about those people, we can all leave here and get home to Jerusalem. That's not what he said. Daniel, when he prayed, he said, God, we have sinned. God, we have rebelled. God, we have been unfaithful. It's a powerful lesson for all of us that I think needs to be emulated today. Listen, church, listen to me. You and I, we don't live on an isolated island. We we are a part of the people of God. We are a part of what 1 Corinthians says. We're part of the body of Christ. And when one hurts, we all hurt. So instead of pointing fingers and condemning the sins of others, what we probably need to do is say, God, we are sinners. I'm going to number myself among the unrighteous. I'm going to put myself in this group. It's so easy to get frustrated about what's wrong. It's so easy to get frustrated at somebody else. It's so easy to point a finger somewhere else. But, but I really believe the prayer that changes us sometimes is the prayer where we say, God, we're part of the problem too. It's not just them, it's we. Uh, John chapter 2, if you're taking notes, I'm going to read it to you. You don't need to turn there. John chapter 2, verse 24 and 25 is an important scripture. John chapter 2, verse 24 and 25. Let me just read the scripture to you. Jesus is speaking, and it says this, or it's speaking about Jesus. It says, He knew all men. He did not need man's testimony about man, for he knew what was in a man. It was said of Jesus, he knew what was in a man. I think perhaps Daniel could count himself among the transgressors because he was wise enough to know what was in him. Compared to most, Daniel was a very righteous man, but the deeper the person walks with God, the greater his sense of his own sinfulness. So I think Daniel understood what was in him. And though others would have said he's a fine, upstanding man, Daniel, when he was really dealing with God, didn't think about the problems that others have and the issues in their lives. He simply put himself among the transgressors and said, Lord, we have sinned. We need your mercy. 
We need your forgiveness. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you, I want you to pray two ways this week. I, w- I want you to pray with a me attitude. God, you know there's some things in me that's not right. God, you know there's some things in me that, that I need your grace and your mercy. And, and then I want you to pray with a we attitude. God, have mercy on us. God, have mercy on our church. God, revive us. We need you to revive us. Can one person's prayer really affect a great group of people? Just ask Carol Lancaster. One prayer, one person, praying every day for 40 years, and all of a sudden, revival broke out. You say, Pastor Keith, do I have to pray for 40 years? I mean, I might might not even live for 40 years. Here's what I want to tell you about that. I don't know how long it will take before God sends revival, but when it comes, it will be worth waiting on. So you keep praying. You keep asking. You keep knocking. You keep searching. Here's the third thing I want to tell you about prayer and what I want you to do this week. Number three, when you pray, join God in what He's doing. This is powerful. Please follow this with me carefully. Remember that all of this started with Daniel just reading the Scripture. He was reading Jeremiah, and he discovered what God was going to do and that, that the, uh, the captivity was going to one day be over and that there was, a, there was an end date. There was a 70-year end date, and, and then they would be released. And guess what? When Daniel read those words, he believed them. When he read that Scripture... He all of a sudden took that to heart. And a very strange thing happened. He began to pray that God would do what he was going to do. He began to pray about it, that that God would actually do what he was going to do. That Lord, I've read it in Jeremiah, and it says that we're going to be here for 70 years. And then it says, Lord, that, that you're going to take us back to the homeland. God, I pray you'll do what you say you're going to do. And so he began to pray about that. He wanted, you know why he prayed about that? I want to tell you why. He wanted to get in on what God was about to do. He wanted to experience what God was about to do. You say, well, listen, if God's about to do it, why do we have to pray about it? So that you can be part of it, so you'll be ready for it, so you can experience it with God. So when Daniel read about the people of God returning to Jerusalem, he didn't want to miss that. He wanted to be a part of that. He wanted to see God work in amazing ways, and he wanted to be a part of what we call on Wednesday nights experiencing God. See, sometimes I think we've misunderstood prayer. Prayer is not trying to get my way. Did you hear me, church? Prayer is not me trying to get my way. Prayer is the means that God gives us to determine His way, His will, and us joining Him in what He's doing. Maybe I can say it to you this way. Prayer is not about changing God's mind. It's about God changing me. Now, years ago, a long time ago, I used to do a little bit of water skiing. I never was very good at it, but but I enjoyed water skiing. Um. One thing I discovered about water skiing, and, and here's how bad I was. I was so bad that I, had to, I, I couldn't do the slalom. I, just ha- I was skiing old style on two, okay? I'm embarrassed to tell you that, but that's true. God knows. God knows. So I got 
I got to confess it. So I'm skiing old style on two skis, but I enjoy it. I, I, and I just really thought it was a lot of fun. And so I'm, oh, by the way, after church, don't, don't say, well, you come out with me, I'll teach you how to slalom. No, those days are long gone, all right? But, but uh, so here, here was the fun part for me. I'd get on those skis and I'd, I'd be behind the boat. You know what I discovered about skiing? I, how many people ski or have skied? Raise your hand. All right, you're going to understand this illustration. Uh, if you stay behind the boat, the water is smooth there, right? You're in the wake and the water is smooth there. I'll tell you what, if, if you can hold on, you can ski all day back there. I mean, you just ski for miles, just holding the rope, and you're in the, you're in the wake, and the water's smooth, and you're just kind of doing this, and it's just, it's, just, it's just wonderful. But you know me. I'm not content to do this, right? So I want to get out over here or over here, and I want to go around those curves, and I want to jump the waves, and, and, and so that's what I'd do. I'd, I'd get out, and I'd jump over this little wake, and I thought I was doing pretty good, and, and I'd get out here, and I'd start jumping the, the other waves and cutting back and all. You know what I, what I ended up doing? I ended up a lot of time, spending a lot of time in the water putting my skis back on because I spent a lot of time face planting because, watch this, because... I just wasn't content to stay behind the boat and do this. I wanted to get out there where the fun is. I'm talking to some people in your walk with God. You you got tired of doing this, didn't you? And so you get out here on the side, and you get out here and try to get wild a little bit, and you're going to have fun. And what you really did was face plant. And maybe you've done that over and over. And you're wondering, now that I've messed up so bad, I wish I had stayed behind the boat. I wish I just followed the Lord like I was supposed to be following the Lord, but I didn't. I got away from Him, and I paid for it. I got away from Him, and it was painful. But now that I've done that, is there any help? Is there any hope? Here's where I want you to dig into the Word with me. Look what he said, Daniel, in his prayer. Daniel closes his prayer with some very encouraging words. First one is in verse 9. He said, the Lord our God is, is what, church? Merciful. You know what mercy is? Mercy is when God does not give me what I deserve. God doesn't always give me what I deserve. The Lord our God is merciful and forgiving. He forgives my failures and my sins. The Lord our God is merciful and forgiving, even though we have rebelled against Him. Even though we have turned against Him, rebelled against Him, even though we've turned a deaf ear towards Him. Daniel recognized that the Lord our God is merciful and forgiving, even though we have rebelled against Him. Does that sound like good news to anybody? Well, i got some even better news beginning in verse 17. Now, our God. Hear the prayers and petition of your servant. For your sake, O Lord, look with favor on your desolate sanctuary. I've underlined look with favor. Daniel said, God, we need your favor. We want your favor. Look with favor on your desolate sanctuary. Would you pray that for Mount Airy this week? God, would you look with favor on your desolate sanctuary at Mount Airy. And would you say in verse 18, Give ear, O God, and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. And then look what he says in verse 18. I love this. I've underlined it in red in my Bible. 
We do not make request of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. We're not asking this, Lord, because we're righteous. We're not asking this because we deserve it. We're not asking this because we're good people and and you kind of owe it to us. We're not asking because we're righteous, Lord. We're asking because you are merciful. You're faithful. And you're loving. So here's what I want to ask you to do today. Here's what I want to ask you to do this week. I'm going to ask you to use Daniel chapter 9 kind of as your guide, and I want to ask you to pray this week. Maybe pray in a way you've never prayed before. Interact with God. Interact with His Word. Come clean before the Lord, and then spend that time where you recognize who God is, and you're asking God to make a difference, and you're praying, just trying to join God in what He's doing. And so here's we're going to help you. As you leave today, these are available. They're, they're up here at the organ and piano. They're out back on the tables. Uh, just pick up one of these. Well, what is it, Pastor? This is a, uh, just a prayer guide for this week. A different prayer request for every day. A different way to pray for every day. And this, this is just the starting point. This is not all you need to pray. This is a good starting point. You stick that in your Bible. Use that as a bookmark. And remind you to pray every day for revival. But then I want to ask you to do something else. In addition to praying, using Daniel 9 as your guide, I'm going to ask you this week to take a day and fast. You don't have to report in. You don't have to tell me that you're fasting. Uh, Just take a day and fast, asking the Lord to do a miraculous work in our church, asking God to fill these pews, asking God to change lives. Just take a day and fast. You say, I don't know if I can medically fast. Well, can you, can you fast for 12 hours or can you fast one meal? And if you can't fast any of those, if medically, physically you're not, not able to fast, then turn the TV off and fast for, for a day. Now that, that's when you're getting serious, right? So I'm going to ask you to pray. I'm going to ask you to fast. And then watch this. Listen to me. I'm going to ask you to come to every service. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. Sunday, next Sunday morning, Gary Hollingsworth will be here, Executive Director of South Carolina Baptist Convention. Sunday night, my brother Dave will be here. His church will be joining us. And then Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, the man you saw on the screen, John Abant, will be here preaching God's Word to us and challenging us. But hear me, church, no man can bring revival. Only God can do that. And we need to pray and ask Him to do it. Would you join me and let's pray right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we're grateful for the Scripture because it confronts us, it opens our eyes, and sometimes it's not just a word for us, it's a word to us. Lord, I pray that today you'd begin to work in us and this week that you would remind us to faithfully pray to confess our sins and to be open before you and Lord may we experience what we can't bring about the working and the moving of your spirit and I pray that in Jesus name Amen